Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 113. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It is your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. We do it by listening to the stories and taking the advice from some of the industry's most successful professionals. I have a great show for you today. I will hit play shortly. But before I do, I just want to send a quick reminder uh, to you know send me an email. My, my email is eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share with me, whether it be a critique, whether it be a question I should ask, whether it be a, a question I should no longer ask, this podcast is for you. Uh, don't forget that. Always Always open to suggestions, uh, so feel free. All right, with that said, enjoy today's show. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Alexis Gelbert Kilmer. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I'm inside, so I'm great. Oh, yeah. I mean, this cold weather is almost gone. Just hang in there. We're almost out of the the worst of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alexis, are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge that are going to make our restaurant dreams unstoppable? Ooh, I'm going to (laughs) try. You're going to be awesome. I cannot wait. Let let me just give a quick introduction, and I'll pass it over to you. Uh, Getting her insight from years at Beacon Hill Bistro, Craigie on Main, and Aquitaine, Alexis continues her philosophy of consistency and unwavering warmth, graciousness, and comfort for every patron at the West Bridge in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The West Bridge has gained numerous accolades from Boston Magazine, Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, Eater, GQ, and the list goes on and on. But to me, the one I love and the one I think is really worth worth mentioning is uh, Boston Magazine's 2014 Best Neighborhood Bar uh, in Kendall Square. And it's because that's what it's all about. It's about being a part of your community. And uh, the fact that you got recognized for the best bar in your community is great. So, uh, Alexis, this is just an aerial view of who you are and what you are all about. Why don't you uh, give us the big picture, starting with when maybe you knew that this wasn't just a job and it was going to be your career? Oh, um, I definitely fell into this business. I, I went to school for something very different. I worked in corporate America after college. I actually worked in television. Oh, cool. And I absolutely hated it, every (laughs) minute of it. I loved the paycheck. I hated the job. And I couldn't imagine going and sitting in an office every day. Oh, yeah. So I walked away from it all, and I was completely lost. And I was in my 20s and literally wandering around and wound up helping a friend at a restaurant in the Berkshires. Okay. Um, uh, a chef, chef I knew. I was never a part of the restaurant community. I, I know. I knew nothing. I mean, literally nothing. But he was like, "Why don't you help? Well, we'll find something for you." So I, I went. I left New York City. I went back to the Berkshires, and I started helping them um, on, on every level. I served. I learned how to bartend. I was hosting. I was 
I was doing everything because I had served when I was, in, you know, younger when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I started doing a little bit of managing. Okay. And I was like, huh, I'm actually good at this. <laughs> and I really like it. Like, genuinely, it clicked for me immediately. Awesome. I love um, it. It was love at first sight. That's great. And uh, I mean, I think yeah. all the time, past guests, they say, you know, I had no intention of being in this industry. And I love saying it's this industry. You don't pick it. It picks you. You either got it or yeah. you don't. And it sounds like Alexis, you got it. And, uh, it just clicks with you and you didn't need to have that experience because you're it's even just listening to you talk. Uh, you just seem like you're that social intelligent type who just can handle situations and make people happy. So, uh, I'm excited to learn, from you today. Well, I feel like I know you a little bit better now, so we're going to get this interview rolling, and we're going to do that by having you share a success quote or mantra, something that you live by in your day-to-day life. What do you have for us? Go for it. Um, I have something that actually I think, you know, I think over the years of you developing your career, your mantras, your quotes, they change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they change a lot based on your personality, how you, how you work with your staff, how you work with your guests. But I think what I use right now for a mantra holds true for a lot of people with the snow, with everything. And I think it can be used many times throughout the day. But I started using this because of my servers on a really busy night and them getting in their own way. I was like, how do I get them to stop? How do I get them to just stop in the moment and, and, and recognize? And I practice a lot of yoga, a lot, more, okay. more than the average Joe. And someone said this to me one day, and I live and die by it. Um, and it's very simple. It's three words. It's pause, period, breathe, period, smile, period. Mm. And awesome. I think when you're in the middle of a restaurant on a Saturday night and you're doing 200-plus people and it is pure chaos, you can stop and you can say those words you will glide through the next, hopefully next few hours, but at least the next few minutes. It's so true. And I think a lot of the time we in this, in this industry, when things, when the, the, the cucka hits the fan, we create our own problems and it's because we just start freaking out, but there's nothing, like you say, there's nothing we can do it, but all you can do is pause, breathe and just you know, smile and uh, chive yep. on, or whatever that saying goes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah all, all great stuff. I love it. And uh, I mean, I should have mentioned before uh, the reason why I reached out to you when I was researching the Westbridge to be to have somebody represent the Westbridge. Um, I saw you and Matthew Godet, and it was hard to choose. And then Matthew Godet started talking so much great things about you. And how he wouldn't be able to be where he is today if it wasn't for his team. And, uh, I mean, I just had to point that out that, I mean, I had to get you on the show after that. And I'm so pumped you are here because you are throwing off some great energy. So (laughs) I am done buttering you up. We'll move on to the next question. No, I think it's it's pretty mutual for Matthew and I. We're we're both very lucky. It's a very lucky partnership. You know, they say teamwork makes the dream work, so... Uh, it's, it's true. <laughs> all right, so we have to find out what is your it factor, Alexis. What is it about you that contributes to your success in this industry? Oh, oh man. Um, I don't think it's the set of lungs I have, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I would have to say um, the continual drive. And and I, I, and I, I base that off of 
<laughs> everything prior to, you know, Westbridge getting open, it's changed as I've become, quote-unquote, an owner and GM. Um, but I think um, I've always been very clear-headed. I've mm-hmm. always known that, you know, I've always looked at a bigger picture. It's never been just, you know, what's right in front of me, but the bigger picture. And I've always always pushed forward for everyone that I worked for. It was never just like, oh, this is a job and, you know, I'm going to get a paycheck and I'm going to work for a really cool guy like Tony Maz and learn amazing things. It was it was always a bigger picture and it always has been. Um, and always kind of recognizing what I want, want saving it and chasing after it. Mm-hmm. Um, and being really clear on that intention, um, okay. I think it is, is a really important factor, you know, especially I, I think I don't want to jump ahead. I know you asked about, you know, building a restaurant, but being really clear on your intentions in this business is really important because so many people can influence you. Mm. So many people can tell you, you can't do that. What are you, nuts? Because let me tell you, I heard it for a year straight. Everybody thought I was crazy. Yeah. Um Awesome. So you have to be really clear on your goals. Absolutely. And uh, I love these things that are coming out of your mouth. Just like that living intentionally. I, I don't think enough of us do live intentionally in this industry. And if we really live with that focus and that intention with our missions and, uh, and having that clarity, like you say, to, to live with a vision and having the big picture and to, to know where you're going and to have a, you know, a destination, which it sounds like you have. And then just that continual drive that you say you have is so important to wake up and to know that this is my purpose, this is my intention, and this is what I'm here for, and to continually chip away. And people might think you're crazy, but if you show up with the <laughs> same intention, you know, and that persistent and continue to show up, you're going to do great things. And before you know it, um, you'll get that. It's just continuing to show up. And I think you and uh, your partner are great uh, living examples of that at the Westbridge. Thank you. No problem. So, all right. The next question I have for you, now that we have your it factor, uh, give us a story. Bring us down to the moment. Where are these if factors of having that continual drive, the clarity in that uh, living intentional? Like, give us a story where these it factors really shown out and bring us down to the moment. <laughs> um, I, I think there's there's two stories, and I can't really choose it out of my head. One is literally right now. Okay. Um, which is funny, as I said that to you, I was like, wow, this correlates so much what we're all dealing with. <laughs> you know, this business is in, is struggling right now. Yeah. Our industry is in, is in, is in a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's hard. It's hard for all of us. I received an email from a very good friend of mine that owns multiple restaurants today and was like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Because it's scary right now. Nobody's coming out and bills have to be paid. And, it's a struggle, but you have to see past it. Mm. You have to be strong for, you know, I have 45 employees. I, I want to, you know, there are moments inside where it is tough and it is hard and it is internal struggle. But I have to constantly put out there that we are going to get through this. We're going to keep looking ahead. Because if I don't do that, it comes from the top down. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, there's, yeah, there's so many environmental factors that play in to this industry too. And I'm, I'm assuming that's part of your struggle right now is this just crazy amount of snow Boston is getting yeah. nailed with. Is, is that, is that, Pummeled. 
Bumbled, yeah. And you guys, re- you rely so much on people coming to you. Uh, and mm-hmm. people can't even get to you or park when they get to you. I mean, the tea all shut that. down. All these things mm-hmm. are just, you know, the multiply effect. Just uh, and We can't, we can't get our staff, you know, mm-hmm. when the tea shuts down. So Sunday is a perfect example of, you know, just pushing forward. Is Sunday, I drove and picked up our cups and brought them to the restaurant to work. Mm. And so, because people yeah. were coming out. So which of your it factors do you think do you think will help you push through and get through this this uh I guess we can call it a a, a valley <laughs> versus your peak? Um, I, I I sound it's it's um the biggest it factor for me is that when I'm faced with the challenge mm-hmm. I don't let it get to me. Mm-hmm. I embrace challenges and, and look at them and say, holy crap, how can I make this a million times better? Mm-hmm. What can be better from this? I've mm-hmm. never been approached with a challenge where I, I haven't, you know, a challenge that I can do something about. There's challenges I haven't been able to do anything about. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've had managers that I never thought would ever leave me in a million years that I had for years that one day decided to leave. And I was like, okay, well, I could sit around privately and probably cry bang my head against the wall a few times, or I can say, how can I make my current business even better and grow from this? Mm-hmm. How can I grow as an owner? And that's just, I, I, I know it sounds somewhat elementary, but honestly, when I'm issues, I remember going back to even like being a freshman in college and dealing with some serious life issues, and I just always just grabbed them mm-hmm. and was like, let's fix it, let's move forward. Mm-hmm. I- I'm going to add... One, an it factor to your list. And this is one of my favorite things to do in the show because when I listen to my guests and I hear them talk, like these it factors come to me. And I think one of your it factors is buoyancy and that ability mm. to just keep on looking to the future. And as humans, we are the we have this unique ability. We're the only creatures alive that have the ability to choose. We don't react. We can be proactive and make the decision yeah. to look to the future, to keep on going. Or to get in a slump and let the external factors influence us. And it sounds like you have this incredible ability to not let things influence you and to use that incredible frontal lobe you have to make your decisions and to focus on what you have control over. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Try. Yeah. So uh, we have to ask the next question now. And that question is on the topic of failures. Um, it sounds like you guys are pushing through. You're going to get through this this lull in business. And there's so many external factors that are affecting it. I have no worries for you. I know you're going to come out the other end. But now talk to us about a story in the past where you mm-hmm. made a mistake and fell hard on your keister. And Alexis, how did you get back up after falling hard? Oh, God, there's so many times I made mistakes. I make mistakes every day. Um, when Westbridge opened, uh, we didn't do lunch for the first few months. Okay. I, to be honest, didn't really have a lot of experience with lunch business. Okay. But never once did that occur to me that that would be a problem. <laughs> it's lunch. Like, it's sandwiches. It's salads. It's it's lunch. It just seems like it's easy. Mm-hmm. I make lunch at home. It's easy. Mm-hmm. So a few months in, we decided to go for it. Um we wrote a menu that was based off of more New York City style lunches, which meant like fine dining. You okay. know, it was like the Westbridge menu, but a little bit geared towards lunch, but not really. Because I thought Kendall Square, people want to dine, they want to sit, mm, they want to yeah. have their meetings. 
Okay, well, I couldn't have been further from the truth. <laughs> Boy, did I mess up. Um, first few lunches we opened, we got slaughtered. Okay. Slaughtered. We took forever to get people out. Um, we had no idea what we were doing, pretty much. And it's funny, as two people combined 30 years of experience, yeah. it, it was like, of all the planning and all, you know, the design and everything, lunch just kind of like we thought we had it. Yeah. We didn't have to really think about it. And, and we couldn't have been further from the truth. Mm-hmm. So we honestly, we Matthew and I, after I'm pretty sure he found me crying out back <laughs> me being like, what did I just do? I mean, it was horrible. People were waiting yeah. over an hour. It just, we failed. The menu was too big. It, it failed on a lot of levels. We didn't know how to staff it. But instead of like to continue to roll with it, which I've seen people do and try to work through it. We literally took a scissor, we cut the menus in half, and we're like, this is what we're doing. So if I can uh, just quickly uh, intervene and try to point yeah. out the biggest uh, failures, it sounds like the the menu wasn't right. Not having that lunch experience, the menu was too big or too technical maybe, and the, the weights yeah, were the far too long? Yeah, the menu was too okay. technical, it was too large, and that wasn't, you know, that was a, and it was also, I had no experience with lunch. So mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, Matthew and I had lots of long talks of, you know, everything from how someone's greeted at the front door to the amused they get a dinner service to how that affects the timing of the dining. And then we talked about everything. What was it that you I didn't, didn't know? To- like what, what about lunch did you not know that you know now? I did not do enough research on Kennel Square and how people dine for lunch. Okay. They don't sit and have hour and a half long meetings. And if they want to, they still are okay with eating a burger and, having a beer and that be it they don't want they just don't want what's on our dinner menu at lunchtime and if i had done a little more research on it i probably would have been able to figure that out so we're getting down to the I, core that the problem the, the core of the blunder the big failure was research. not doing the market research yeah okay for, specifically for lunch okay and uh what I mean what's the main takeaway here like if you could just Sum it up to one big lesson for our listeners to take away for unstoppable restaurant professionals to know not to make this mistake. What would it be? I think just never make an assumption that you understand every meal period Mm -hmm. in a new location. Mm -hmm. In a new location. That's the difference. Awesome. Uh, I think that is a great example of how sometimes we just go, go, go in this industry. I think a lot of people, what makes us successful is that continual drive. And sometimes we forgot, you know, forget to put the brakes on and think like, okay, what, what's the best way to approach this? And, um, and the, those, those, they say those, your strengths can also be your weaknesses sometimes. So a uh, great mm-hmm. story. And uh, thank you for sharing that. I think we can all find some value to take away from that. Uh, so, and lunch is great now, by the way. Lunch is <laughs> awesome, great. Just great. want to preface with that. Yeah. You, you live, you learn, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right, Alexis, we have reached the part of the show I've been calling Knowledge Bombs because you're just going to drop some big old restaurant bombs of knowledge on us. You ready for this? Oh, okay. Sure. All right, let's do it. Uh, So what advice do you have for funding a restaurant? Where do you get that cashola? Oh, ask the people you would expect from the Mm-hmm. Um, and um, write a list of over a hundred names mm-hmm. from the day you just start decide that you want to build a restaurant, and I say this for any business. Start writing names, and I mean 
your neighbor, to your dog walker, to the other GM down the street. Um, everybody you think has some connection to some type of investment. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is your network is your net worth. And uh, yeah. <laughs> how many, like, how much of your experience do you think played in it? an influence on getting the money uh, because you had such great experience working for some amazing restaurants. Do you think that experience and that uh, just time in the industry meeting and networking helped a lot? No, no. Okay. No, I think um, when you go after money, what most people, I mean, at least the people I met with and I met with a lot, trust me, yeah. is they're looking for the drive, the passion, the mm. motivation. Mm-hmm. Half, 90% of my investors have never invested in a restaurant before me. Oh, wow. They never ate the level of food that Matthew cooks. They knew nothing about the restaurant I had worked in. What they saw was somebody that was focused and driven and had built the best possible team she could build from accountants to lawyers to contractors and, you know, tried to make the best of her ability a flawless plan. Mm. So I have written down uh, your advice is to have that network, to make a list of everybody and anybody you know that can help you, mm-hmm. and to be focused, driven, and have that passion, and be proactive in getting all these things set up and to building that team around you. So when you do approach banks, they see you got your stuff together. Yep. Awesome. Uh, what advice do you have for hiring good people, Alexis? Oh, God. I think this is, like, the hardest (laughs) question of all your questions. I have to be honest and say, I'm not sure if I can give advice on that right now. And I'll I'll tell you why. Okay. I love your your honesty. Go ahead. I think it's one of the hardest things for what we do in our industry. Mm -hmm. So the way I used to interview people in the city of Boston 10 years ago has completely changed. How has it changed? I have to – well, to – to be perfectly honest, there is a lot more restaurants. <laughs> yeah. So there are there, – when I used to put an ad on, let's say, Craigslist or bostonchef.com, I would get hundreds of mm-hmm. resumes. I remember sitting in the basement of old Carnegie Street Bistro and literally being completely overwhelmed, like, how am I going to get through all these? I don't <laughs> even know. And I remember kind of figuring out what were my cues and what was I looking for. I was looking for someone that didn't jump around a lot. I was looking for longevity. Mm-hmm. I was looking, whoa, they worked at – Number nine for a bunch of years. They must know tons about, you know, this mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. You can't, you have to roll with the times and adjust how you view resumes to how you interview people mm-hmm. um, because things change and they are, they have drastically changed. And I'm still, I'm adjusting again over the last year as to how I interview people. So with somebody um, who has that uh, if factor of having a vision and clarity, how do you intend to change to get the good people? Um, one of the big things is I, I look at resumes differently. That's the Mm -hmm. first step. I don't look per se where they've worked, you know, because the restaurant business attracts all kinds of people. Okay. And it's not always people that have worked at, you know, great restaurants like Eastern Standard and have been underneath Andrew Holden and Garrett Harker. (laughs) You know, not every resident that comes to the door is going to be, you know, somebody of that caliber, Mm -hmm. but did they work at... I don't, you know, they're local, we'll just say a local store for two plus years, you know, that says something to mm-hmm. me. Um, I, I read one resume one day, this kid was like working Starbucks, like the 4 a.m. shift 
plus going to college and plus worked on a job, but consistently was working at all of his jobs for like three years straight. Oh, that's important stuff right there. So for, so for me, it's become less about where they have worked and their commitment to mm. what they have done. Because I've also learned that I really like teaching. I mm. really like bringing on people that have less knowledge and teaching them you know, everything we know and hoping that they get as excited as we do. So awesome. that's even, yeah. even more it factors starting to surface. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the next question I have for you, Alexis, when you find these good people uh, that you're searching for, once you get them on your team, how do you keep them on your team? Um, this is something that I think is always evolving. And I have, I have come up with some things over the years that have stuck. And I have failed miserably at other things. Okay. Um, some of the, one thing that has stuck for me that seems to go very well, go over very well, is I started this probably about six years ago. Okay. The last Saturday of every month, I would do an all-staff education day. So everyone in front of the house from um, anchors to bussers to, to whoever, if you were in front of the house, and I invited staff of the house once Westbridge got open too, actually. Mm-hmm. And these last Saturday classes were everything from the standard of a beer class, going to a brewery, to a wine importer coming in and tasting a wine, to a yoga class, oh, wow. to a Zumba class, <laughs> to um, we've had guest speakers come in. We've had, when Westbridge first opened, Garrett Harker gave a lecture about hospitality. Josh Childs gave a lecture. Garrett but Harker, it's always- past guest, just want to point that out. Great guy. Sorry, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Um, it's always been, um, it's always been just something educational, but it's not always about, you know, food, wine. It, it's something where we get to bring the team together. Usually once a quarter at Westbridge now, one of the Saturdays is staff cleaning day. Mm-hmm. And as much as I know that that probably doesn't sound very fun when they get in and they know that they, they find out who their teams are and I team them up based on people they don't usually work with. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's got their buddies in the restaurant world. Yeah. So I put them with the person they never talk to. And for three, four hours, you know, there's there's cookies and donuts and whatever. They're painting things. They're cleaning. And they're blasting music. And they're in their jeans and T-shirts. And they're, they're bonding. Mm-hmm. They're creating the team and the family that – we need to have to run a successful business, mm-hmm. you know, and, that's, and they seem to really value it. Yeah. That's so important. And, um, whenever we talk about this question, uh, those human needs, the, the hierarchy of needs and Maslow's hierarchy of needs of being, you know, being wanted, being loved, feeling like you are a part of a like a tribe. And, uh, that's so important. And when you're working in an industry where you're not making the most money you know we don't make mm-hmm. the best money in the restaurant nope. industry you need to focus. nobody does yeah exactly you need to focus on those things that are above money like belonging and feeling you're a part of mm-hmm. a family and when you can do those things that you do and you you bring everybody together and you make them everyone work together and you blast music and everyone's having fun they feel like it's more than a job it's where they belong and that's so yep. if you can tap into that it's so valuable i love it it was, uh, there's nothing more memorable than the guy that actually is the first person I ever practiced yoga with who came to Westridge on a Saturday morning. He cleared out the entire dining room. We got about four or five cooks to actually show up too. And it was awesome. secretively, I was probably hysterically laughing inside, <laughs> but it was such a proud moment because it was just half of them had no idea what they were doing. But afterwards, <laughs> as service went on, they were like, 
I feel great. That was so much fun. I've never done that before. And I was like, all right. Oh, man, I love how you bring music into it, too. We can dive into more on that maybe another time, but uh, Power of Music is so great. Uh, We have to keep on going. we got a lot of interview left. So the next question I have for you is what advice do you have on being an incredible leader? Um, Leadership is so important in this industry, and and how do you lead? How do I lead? Uh, Well, I used to lead (laughs) – I guess I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. <laughs> Go for it. That's what, that's what makes us all better people at the end of the day. <laughs> I used to lead by fear. Okay. But it, I didn't realize it, to be perfectly honest. I think when you're, you know, in your 20s and you're given these amazing opportunities to be, you know, a GM at a younger age and, and the stress level, I, I was kind of mean. I didn't mean to be. I never really looked at it as I was being mean, but I, I was. Mm-hmm. And what I've developed... Um, over the years is that people were fearful of talking to me or being, you know, honest with me when they, they weren't coming to me with their issues. I was like, why are they coming to me? Um, so I, I use my own mantra before I talk to people now. Um, and I, I think it's really important to respect the timing of when you speak to your colleagues. Yeah. So don't ever call them my employees to always refer to them as my colleagues or my family or mm-hmm. my team and respect the timing of when you talk to people because every night in this business we're putting on a show mm-hmm. every single night i'm asking you to smile mm-hmm. no matter how much your personal life is falling apart i'm telling you come 5 30 you need to smile and and, and be on it's yep. a show yep and, you know, if you, if you go up to an employee right before a service, whether you're right or wrong, and be like, and, and, you know, tell them how they did something wrong, it tears them apart. Yeah. You have to recognize the effect that you have on people. Mm-hmm. And that's probably been one of the biggest things for me to realize is, wow, I really affect people. I didn't think anyone was affected by me. I just, you know, do what I do. Mm-hmm. But you do. And you affect their performance. Yeah, and I have to commend you because I've noticed as you're telling these stories and you're answering these questions, and a lot of like when you were talking about uh, employee hiring, uh, you look back to how you were and then how you are today, and uh, you keep on mm-hmm. doing that. And uh, to me, it seems like as a leader, you're a leader who's always learning and always pushing yeah. themselves to evolve and just be a little bit better at everything you do. And this is another example of how you've just evolved over the time and you've seen what hasn't worked. And now you know what does work. And I think that's the yep. biggest lesson to take away is to, you're not going to be perfect. You're never going to be no. perfect, but you can always nope. be better, which yep. is a great lesson to take away from this. I love it. Um, mm. All right. Thank you for sharing that with us, Alexis. So now you have to share with us, what is your favorite restaurant resource, like a book or a website or a magazine that you just have to share as a must read for our listeners? Well, see, I think it's favorite restaurant resource. Uh, Oh, I, um, <laughs> I, I think this is a tricky one because I think there's like, you know, there's the Danny Meyer book that I tell all my new managers to read and I read it like 3 million times probably. Oh, that's um, awesome. Setting the table. Setting the table. Book, yeah. But I mean, I'm sure a million people have said that on their show, but <laughs> yeah. I would honestly, as much as I can never say a bad thing about that book, what I would really say are my colleagues mm. in within the industry. I mean, 
the amount of people I leaned on during the building of Westbridge, whose names I just choose not to share because it was, they took their time to sit with me and look at things or honestly hold my, give me a hug when I really thought I couldn't go another day of, you know, putting this project together. I think, I think, I think your colleagues within your industry mm-hmm. and the people that have been successful and reaching out to them and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't agree with you more because I mean, this, what you're saying is exactly the reason why restaurant unstoppable exists. Uh, it's, yeah. it's because we can learn so much just from asking the people like you, uh, like chef Godet who have proven themselves successful, uh, and just to ask you, know, what did you do? And one of the things mm-hmm. I love about people in this industry and why the successful people are successful is because they're hospitable and they love to help other people and they're willing to help you if you just ask. Um, yep. and, uh, you're living proof, proof of that. All my past 100 plus guests are living proof of that. And just ask those in your community who are doing great things and they will help you or just listen to restaurant unstoppable. That'll help too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little pitch there. Uh, great. Thank you for sharing that. I'll have that link to, uh, setting the table by Danny Myers in the show notes as well. Uh, so what is your marketing advice, Alexis? I mean, what advice do you have for marketing an excellent restaurant? Hey. Um, this is, this is a really hard question because I wish I had, I wish I had come up with a really good answer, but I, I will tell you the two things that I believe work and I, and they're very straightforward. One is social media. Mm -hmm. I think Westbridge came in at a really awesome time of social media. Um, I don't think I realized its full effect until we got into it, but I actually had an employee who I believe you've had some correspondence with who has um, taught me so much about the system behind it and, and how people view it and the timing of it. There's, there's this whole science to mm-hmm. it where I just looked at it as this annoying thing that I kept getting updates on. Yeah. I just, it, wasn't my, it wasn't my jam. But really understanding the value of social media and how as a community we can, we can work together with it to get our message out. And then the other way is, um, is, kind of as simple as guerrilla marketing. Mm-hmm. So we had an event, and the best example I can give is we had our first ever brunch event at Westbridge when we first opened, January 1, New Year's Day. We had never done brunch. It was an idea Matthew and I had come up with years before Westbridge was open, kind of joking in the Aquatine basement about it. And I was like, it'd be really cool to have a brunch, uh, a brunch on New Year's Day and be the only people because everyone's closed and trash the restaurant and just have like a big party. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, this would be fun. Somehow our idea became reality and we were like, well, how do we get the word out? So, you know, we did the Facebook thing. And at this point, we weren't really present on Twitter. We'd only been open six months or whatever. But we made, we had an awesome manager who was really good at InDesign and some other design stuff that I'm horrible at. And she took this awesome photo of Matthew and I looking like we were extremely hungover. (laughs) We put some really basic information on the back of the postcard. And we asked our entire staff to go and hand them out to all the restaurant people they knew. Mm -hmm. And for a restaurant that was only six months old, was not known for any type of brunch, we did, I want to say, like 150 people that, that first time ever. It was a huge success right out of the gate. Yeah. And I I Um, love you kind of combine the two things you're mentioning, guerrilla marketing um, mm -hmm. and just being 
real. I don't know if you used social media when you were doing this at the time. Were you or? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we did like Facebook, but I don't think our following was even yeah. close to what it is now. I mean, and if we did Facebook, I think that was it. Yeah. It was like we we weren't active with Twitter and Instagram yet. But what you did right there is a perfect example of how you should use social media. Do what you uh-huh. do in life and then just do it on social media. Like that example of taking a funny picture that would, you know, uh, make people laugh and chuckle and, uh, just being social, being a real, giving people, uh, a, like a clip of who you are and your humor. And, uh, that's how you would do it. And you went out and you handed out flyers, but that's essentially what you're doing with a post. Uh, you're just Mm -hmm. giving it to your people that are in your, your community. And, uh, I think that is a a great example of how we should be using social media. And so the next question I have for you is on the topic of technology. I mean, every, it feels like every week there's a new technology that can supposedly help us in this restaurant industry be more profitable, more productive or efficient. And is there a tool, are you leveraging technology in your restaurant anyway, in a way that would make you want to share it with other people that, so they can use the same technology and leverage leverage it in their own restaurants well i do know chef said the same thing i'm about to say so i'm sorry to be redundant no it's okay i would say for for the management team dropbox is really Mm. helpful for us um on all levels you know i'm i'm talking to you right now from my house in gloucester and i'm working all day from home Mm -hmm. this is my day off and of course i'm still working but I can upload something that I need them to change. They get it. We go. Mm -hmm. Um, The other new um, change that I've made recently was I actually put an iPad up at our anchor stand. Um, And just to clarify, I I always forget that I need to clarify. Um, Anchors are hosts in our world. We don't use the word host. We use anchors because I believe that they hold the whole ship down. I love Um, it. That's good stuff. I'm going to have to start. I'm going to steal that one from you. (laughs) Um, so I put an iPad up at the anchor stand because I had so much paper trails. Like I wasn't getting messages the right way, or I didn't like the way I was getting them, or I was getting them, you know, I would take two days off in a row every once in a while. And I wouldn't get the message for three days. And I was like, wait, why am I using paper still? Like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) So actually now I can text the anchor to a general text that comes up on that iPad. They can text me messages. They can email me messages. So we're trying really hard to get away from the paper trail. So what what software are you using? What are you like? What's your your form of communication? Are you using a, a something like an Evernote or just uh, like a Word document where you're keeping lists of things that happen? Or like what what do you do? Yeah, we use the note. We use notes. Notes. Okay. Just notes and and Apple and I live and die by my iCalendar. Yeah. So it's, you know. That, that I will say, is one thing amongst managers. Everybody knows. If it's not in my iCalendar, it doesn't exist. It's not happening. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, we're, we're big about inviting each other. Well, I will say I'm big about inviting each other. Chef Matthew has the same response every time I invite him to a meeting on the iCalendar. It's always <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Even though he'll absolutely be there, he's a chef at heart and just likes to be a pain in my ass and always responds, maybe. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Great. Awesome tools. Uh, that's the first time someone has mentioned notes. And uh, I mean, we've we've mentioned Google calendars before, but yeah, iCalendar is the same thing. You can really 
increase that communication, just putting it all in one spot where everyone on your team can see what's going on, and it's all right there, no excuses. I love it. All right, so what is your best business advice, Alexis? If you could go back in time to, I don't know, when you were first opening Westbridge, what advice could you give yourself if you could time travel and be like, listen, lady, this is what's up. This is what you got to do different. What would you say? Smaller is better. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. And dive into that a little bit deeper first. Why is it better? Um, I love Westbridge. It's just, you know, for me, it's like having a first child. It's a dream come true. It looks like everything I dreamed of for the year of being completely dirt poor and trying to put this day together. It is everything I could dream of. Mm, and awesome. And then some. I love but it. It's a beast. Yep. Shit starting to break. <laughs> chairs need to be replaced. You know, my electric bill is unlike anything I've ever witnessed in my life. <laughs> I I decided to build an outdoor bar because I thought that'd be really cool. It's just, it's become a beast. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love it, maybe I would have got a tiny bit smaller. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, for sure. I mean, scaling is uh, something that comes up time and time again on the show. Just... Uh, a lot of us, we have, we're ambitious people. Uh, that's why we're in this industry. Mm-hmm. That's why we're successful. And we, we dream big and we do big, but sometimes uh, it's good to have that patience and to start small into, you know, it, it's, it makes more sense to start small and to grow into something bigger. So that is incredible. Advice. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I've asked all the questions I have for you today. Is there one question you think I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview? I think um, if you're, I think it seems like a, obviously a large part of this is to give people advice that maybe are crazy enough to go and do this. I think a really important question is, um, you know, who are the key players into the starting of building a restaurant? I, I think they're like the unsung heroes that nobody talks about, the, the contractor, the architect, the, the accountant, the bookkeeper, the lawyers. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I I know with without my team and as awesome as they are, and I stand behind them every day, and I'm grateful for them every day. I would not be standing where I am right now. All right, so uh, let's let's do some shout outs. Who are your unsung heroes? The people that helped you. Like, let's give them a shout out. Oh, ah. <laughs> oh well, um, our our silent business partner who's actually helped many 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 restaurant people. Some of the most successful restaurant people in the city is mm-hmm. by the name of David Haddon. And he helps oversee all your financial plans to my builder, Tom Clark, the owner of Ashling, to my accountant, Saul, who's amazing and keeps my sanity. And then to my number one hero, like of all time, would be my bookkeeper, Lori, who's just, I, I, I can't even try to keep up with her. Awesome. Well, I'm going to do you and all those folks a favor. If you send me the links to those folks and if you're in Boston and you're looking for some unsung heroes to help you out maybe we can uh, help them out with some added cool. business and uh, that's everything those are all the questions I have uh, we're going to wrap it up and you do that by calling someone out who's one industry uh, indie restaurant professional that you just think is awesome and would make an incredible guest mentor on the show I'm going to throw it out to Meredith Gallagher Ooh, yeah. who is the opening general manager of Townsend all right, Meredith Gallagher, I'm coming after you. She, had, You said that she's a general manager? 
Yeah. Awesome. We need more ladies and general managers on the show. So I'm pumped about that. Look out, Meredith. I will try to do what I can to get you on the show. And uh, let's uh, let everyone at, know, at home know, uh, how can they connect with you? I mean, you sound like an incredible person to work for. Uh, if you're in the the Boston area, New England, and you want to go work for the folks over at Westbridge, what's the best way to connect? You are more than welcome to email me directly at alexis at westbridgerestaurant.com. All right. I'll have that in the show notes. Give her a shout. Uh, she sounds awesome. I know I would love to work for you guys. Uh, both you and Chef Gaudet have been incredible helping me create this melting pot of mentors. So uh, thank you so much. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Boom! Another episode in the bags here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Alexis, thank you so much for coming on the show. You killed it. It left bombs of knowledge everywhere. Uh, And I really just love your attitude of looking to the future and always improving, admitting your faults and uh, taking ownership and then just knowing that, you know, we live, we learn, we move on. And with almost all of your questions, you talked about where you were and how far you've come. And uh, you're doing such incredible things today with your career. So uh, thank you for being a great example of constantly being willing to improve. Uh, Awesome stuff. If you guys want to check out uh, all the links and uh, references we talked about in today's episode, just head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 113. You'll find all the links right there at your disposal. Uh, that's it really today. Don't forget to uh, send those five-star reviews to Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Uh, they help so, so much with getting ranked and uh, to validate the show. And for those of you who have left those reviews, thank you so much. I am so extremely grateful for that. And uh, I guess I'll let you all go. Uh, until next time, peace out.